Okay, let's restart that. 46 minutes. <laughs> Very good. Well, in, in fairness, up. I don't we think I got on here until eight late. minutes after. <clears throat> oh, boy. We could be done by now. It's too bad. <laughs> they don't know what I know. They don't know. Hey, it's the Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Brian. Just as I was saying that, you put out your hand. And it caused me to immediately go, oh, my God, the technology failed again. <laughs> <laughs> Which technology? The technology behind my uh, hand operating? The technology in the laboratory that consistently malfunctions. It's, it's... Welcome back for another hang in the laboratory. Thank you for joining us. Uh, special thanks, as always, to our supporters who throw us as little as a buck a month uh, to, you know, keep the software working in the laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it took us 46 minutes to get the setup up today. Took a while. It's been a little but while. In all, in all fairness, it's been a little while. And I did a clean install of my entire like work computer system over Thanksgiving break, and I'm still patching together pieces where it's like, oh, man, that piece of tape is missing. Okay, I got to put it back. <laughs> it's always surprising to me how many wires it takes for my desk to be put together because it doesn't look wiry once it's up and it doesn't even look like there's that much stuff on it, but there is, there's a lot of, there are a lot of things being connected with magic. You're even fooling yourself with your, your aesthetic cleanliness. I'm so uh, mature these days. So what, so we, so we got, so we get, so this is a good one this week. This, this, a lot, this, the topic we're talking about this week aligns with our episode about logical fallacies it's a thing I think about constantly and can never point out when it's happening because there's no way to not be rude when you go, ah, yeah, but like you're committing the gambler's fallacy right now. <laughs> like, yeah, here, here's the reason what you're doing is cognitively biased. This Let is me one explain of those, it to you. This like, is one of those topics that's <laughs> painful to talk about too because unless you're an absolute professional with it you're constantly misspeaking and it makes me it's nervous to talk about really, it in public yeah it's a it's a it's a confusing thing but i i think i think we can do it oh we can um, do it all right give me uh so like at some point we'll just start to do a rundown of cognitive biases and give examples of them and stuff like that i think that's where this will get fun <laughs> kind of like that episode but there's such a long list that we could honestly do four or five seasons of separate podcasts. So maybe we'll do that. People would love that. But but let's start with like, <laughs> okay, what's a what's what's a cognitive bias, and why does it happen? Like before we even get into the economics side yeah. of what you know the definition of cognitive bias, like, uh, well, there... we start from the definition. Well, it's kind of it's kind of a it's like an area of study, right? So, uh, it's not necessarily like a concrete uh, scientific concept, but <clears throat> it's essentially, uh, and I'm going to immediately misspeak, but it's, it's essentially making decisions. Just don't apologize. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're making you're making decisions. Uh, kind of incorrectly, but incorrectly because of particular reasons. Like either you're, it can be an actual, uh, 
way that your brain processes information as a human that causes you to misinterpret a situation or it can be a situation where you misinterpret information or you don't have all the information um there's a little bit of a fuzzy wrapper around what can what contains a cognitive bias um but in general it's kind of it's misinterpreting things and then acting on them i think is well so so you you in a sense you are demonstrating a bias in the way you describe that because you're jumping to the understanding that this system because you understand how it works speaks to the moral value of decisions like you're already going <laughs> it, it helps you not make a bad decision right you're like what you're like two three steps further than where we need to start which is like it starts with uh human brains from an evolutionary standpoint are just pattern recognition machines like we're fighting constantly to find patterns in things because it's protective like the orange that isn't the green is the thing that's going to jump out and bite your head off right so 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 we're we're driven baseline by this idea of like okay we got to figure out how to uh make decisions um and for a long time that was like the realm of philosophy you know uh, well i think uh, we Hey, let's speak deeply about nebulous answers yeah, to there's why a, I should not kill you. <laughs> there's a lot of nebulous philosophy underlying uh, cognitive bias, for sure. Um, I think we can distill it even more, actually, because it. <clears throat> I think the underlying uh, cause here, the un- underlying reason that these exist, is essentially that the inf- the world is very information rich, and our brains have limited processing capability, and so pretty much everything they do is an approximation of reality or whatever we want to call the outside world of stimulus, right? So every time we're trying to understand what's going on, we're pulling in information and we're having to condense it and select it and and uh, eliminate pieces and make decisions based on uh, limited amounts. ideas from it. Right. And then the, yeah. the place where it starts to get fuzzy in definition too is that then sometimes you layer in the fact that you can't have all the information. I can't see behind me to make a decision, uh, both in time or in space. And so there's, there's layers of, of, uh, the philosophical question of, do I have all the information? Is the information is all the information actually just whatever I perceive? Am I the only human? This goes, this goes real deep down into, uh, understanding the world and is the world different for you or me? Uh, is, right. is time a real construct? Are we making it up? It, it's it's a weird this is, space. This is it's to me. It's literally a data. It's a it's a data question that has collided with what was previously the realm of people that would just sit around and go, "Man, what if what if the same blue that you see is not the blue that I see?" And like that's why we're past that joint, <laughs> like. <laughs> But we can save data now. So there's always going to be this sensory mechanism problem at the human layer. But a step past that, uh, we can look at like records of decisions and analyze the, you know, like outcomes included in those studies. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about now is is like, this is the part that blew me away when I started doing research. Like the, the, it's applying economics basically. And like it's in the space of using economics and game theory to try to identify ways that that like 
it's not even to identify ways that that mechanism is broken, which is which is the the leap you made. It's basically like we're going to use what we've learned in the field of economics to give us a way to process process thoughts for consistency and clarity. Is the note I wrote down, which is like, okay, that's that 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 makes it skewed toward the idea of like clarifying a scientific data set rather than fighting about what's good or bad, right? Uh, and there are like cognitive bias studies where they have confirmed certain behaviors in mice and like and and pigeons. Like this is a thing that mice and pigeons do also. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's it certainly seems to stem from uh, some some of the some of these certainly seem to stem from lower brain function, right? Because again, that's where your your mental stack is technology stack is layering in these heuristics that right. allow you to do anything in the world, right? We have an awful lot of uh, sensory mechanisms built into our bodies. Uh, and if we had to actually process all of that data into our conscious brain, which I think is also kind of an important place to frame where I think this conversation exists, uh, where we're trying to make conscious decisions. Uh, if we had to process that all in, we just don't have that kind of memory. Right, you don't, you can't bring in all that data and and process it in our our core consciousness processor. It doesn't have that capacity. It's not built for that. Right, we need separate system. We need a, a chip with a separate system on it, <laughs> segmented <laughs> more to handle that data. consciousness RAM. I don't get to speed. read what runs through some parts of that system. <laughs> uh, totally, uh, absolutely, right. But, there, there are layers, layers of that removed. <laughs> right. Um, you can uh, you can expand your capacity for it for sure. You can become more aware of those things. I think that's a lot of what meditation brings you, especially things that focus on your body. Right, you get more comfortable, more aware, and you build these pathways that allow you to access deeper down through those heuristics and understand what you're doing and why your body's making these decisions and consciously start to so control you, things. You jumped into the term heuristic. Heuristic is like mental model, right? It's like a, a like a just a, a mental shortcut. For how to make a type of decision yeah. when presented I, I, with X variables, you know. And I think typically it's it's used in this space to reference sort of non-purposeful, non-mindful, non-conscious uh, decisions, or at least ways where you think you're making a conscious decision, but really you're kind of relying on some underlying uh, biases, right? Some underlying right. Uh, algorithms that you've put in place either kind of in your own personality or they've been put in place kind of by the structure of our brains. But it's a problem where you can't like, the answer can't be don't have them. <laughs> uh, because some of it is also, it's like there's this line as a thing that kept coming up in the articles is like, there's a line between uh, allowing an operative um, a destructive, uh, potentially, uh, allowing a cognitive bias, it would potentially be destructive to effective decision-making. And uh, social, quote, social skills. Like, there's a thin line between them, you know? Um, I have a specific example in mind. Like, uh, when you first meet somebody, asking them leading questions, which are questions that suggest their own answer, uh, is more friendly. So this, yeah, well, this so, leads in very nicely to all of these biases, right? And, right. It can also be manipulated. Um, 
But so, so on some level, it's like, okay, you can't just turn off the cognitive bias switch, which I think is sometimes what it's, it's what it feels like is being asked when people say, yeah, but, and then shout a cognitive bias at you or something. Right. Um, Cause some of these have made it into like popular discourse where I have had them yelled at me and it's like, I understand what you're saying, but that's not the problem right now. I'm trying to make it like a moral, <laughs> like a, a point beyond, <laughs> you know, um, so there's an interesting distinction here to hit before we move on to any specific ones or anything like that. If that's, if that's a fun place to go, um, there's an idea of, uh, hot and cold biases. Uh, and so like hot and cold deli sandwiches. Oh man. I love deli sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> nice Italian sub. Uh, alas, in a Chrissy related Pickle. situation that involves collecting and analyzing data, uh, I realize I probably can't eat deli sandwiches as much as I do. <laughs> like anymore? Yeah, they're not good for me. Why not? Uh, they make me poop. <laughs> Doesn't everything you eat make you poop? Yeah, they make me poop in a less than ideal way. Okay. This is, your fault we're talking, or this, this is your fault we're talking about poop. You could have avoided that aside. <laughs> I mean, who would have um, known that deli sandwiches okay. would take us so, there? So, uh, I'd like um, to see the data, Mr. Kerbelman. So we have hot and cold biases, just like hot and cold deli sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> the cold biases are essentially like mental noise, whereas hot bias is like motivations or, or motive, what they call motivational bias. So it's uh, uh, it's like, here's a thing that uh, it's you're biased because you want a thing or like you're having wishful thinking right. is, is one type. Uh, the rest, the ones that economics, I think, is generally interested in yeah, is the say. stuff where it's like, here is unrecognizable mental noise that happens within systems of humans and you we behave this way and the data seems to show that this is a common problem so like maybe have a check for it before you say a thing <laughs> like, yeah so cold we're all trying biases, to get along <laughs> cold bias is like structurally influenced by how your brain and body works so maybe maybe like discounting future value that's kind of a a cold bias whereas a hot bias is uh is like uh purchasers purchasers delight i bought this thing therefore it's awesome and i love it right where you've kind and of like, influenced uh, it with actions and the, the outside gambler's world. Gambler's fallacy is kind of right in between. You want a thing, oh, but at the same time, you're bad at analyzing collected data. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's interesting because some of these, some of these, they just become a choice at some point, right? Like the gambler's fallacy. I I have the same emotional uh, response to it that everyone does, but I just fully buy into the math behind statistics statistical probability in different gambling situations and i'm not an expert so i don't usually actually know the statistics but like you can think about simple things like dice and, and coin flips like yeah so I, like I back it, off it feels it be, so I what is this articulate feel. the gambler's fallacy like what is the gambler's fallacy uh well the simple a simple example i think is the coin flip right you uh the concept of um, kind of, kind of everyone knows and everyone feels and experiences and sees in the world that if you flip a coin, it's, it's like randomish, right? You, you, you get heads, you get tails. The feeling is like, gonna... it's been heads five times. It's gotta come up tails. Right. I'm betting on tails. That's where right, the and everything... big money is. 
it hasn't happened in a while. It doesn't fucking matter. It's still 50-50 well, every time a, you flip it. It's a mechanical a really device. This interesting one because this one, <clears throat> this is a great, we could do the whole episode on this one. And I think yeah. there's a, there's an, a tremendous amount to talk about here because it, we I have live, one more to back it up that will also we take we just as are, long, but. our our experience with these things our experiences with probability uh our experiences with with gambling and coin flips and and this particular cognitive bias they we build that up over time right and we we know that if you flip a coin a whole bunch of times you're going to get both sides right it just it would be totally totally impossible essentially to say for me to sit here and flip a coin for the rest of my life and only get tails it just it just wouldn't happen we know it wouldn't happen it could happen it can happen right and as you as you experience this right as i see a coin flipped five times 10 times in a row and see it always get heads there there is something in me that says the universe needs this to be tails and kind of the universe does need it to be tails right because ultimately the the ratio will drift back we know over time right? It doesn't have to, but it will. I mean, and so, so there kind of is some sort of thing going on here. And it, it draws a question. Mathematically, you can argue and you can kind of, you can prove that the next coin flip still has 50% probability, right? It's not affected by things in the past. But then you have to take into question, we exist over time, or is that coin flip doesn't it exists in a moment. And so now you have to question the nature of time, right? Because if you start at the beginning of those coins, and you were to wager, what are the odds you're going to get this this pattern in this organization and this number of heads and tails? Probability makes sense. But as soon as it's happened, the probability has to be erased because it doesn't matter anymore. It's a very confusing situation. I'm sure I'm misspeaking on a lot of this, but there's something very visceral about this one that's like a deep, deep-seated, like something's going on deeper in the universe that yeah, we're not <laughs> recognizing. It's Well, it's obeying physics. And that's a weird <laughs> transition from the two cognitive spaces. But like, I'll I'll really blow your mind now. Uh, <laughs> Please do. Because of the minting process, it's not entirely <laughs> accurate that all coins are fifty fifty. Uh, George Washington's big fat face, statistically speaking. So also, there is a really really low percentage that it could land on the ridge and stay there. <laughs> There's a there's a Twilight Zone episode where a dude like gets a, a coffee in the morning and then flips a coin to the guy as a tip and it lands on the thing like on its edge. Yeah. And then he can read people's mind. He can read people's mind all day. And as he's walking home, he's getting a paper from like the same stand or something. And the guy's like that coin you flipped. It's still here. <laughs> I've, been, I've left it here all day. I couldn't believe that this happened. And then flicks it over, and then he can't read people's minds anymore, or Over. something like that. I don't. It was a funny. It was a good episode. Uh, yeah, right. So it's that weird thing of like the feeling that you have in the sense of that cognitive bias. It like it has a reason for existing. That same impulse serves you sometimes. Uh, and then this is one that I've been. I think this is what pushed me to like let's do an episode on cognitive bias. Yeah, like. When I think about whether or not my house is going to burn down because of my proximity to a forest, <laughs> uh, applying a gambler's fallacy way of looking at the, at the fact that there was a really bad fire this year and what it means for coming years is a place where you have to be like, okay, I can't believe that voice in my head that says, 
it won't happen. Like literally until the swath behind my house has burned. Do I not have a data point that could push me off of it might happen next year and I have to behave right. accordingly? Well, this is an interesting right? case because you've, <laughs> like, you've, you've immediately moved from a situation that is kind of flipping a coin is almost kind of theoretical in context of regular life, right? Because it's such a right. simplistic situation. And, and even in flipping the coin, right, you have to remove all the things like the, the weight of the coins being slightly different. So it's not really 50-50 in the way you're flipping it and the wind and the temperature, blah, blah, blah. But uh, when you moved all yeah, of a sudden I mean, as to soon the as you're fire... Calculating, you're calcul as soon as you're calculating physics without calculus... You, you know, right, but as soon as air as, resistance, you need calculus. As, as soon as you move into uh, the probability of like your house burning down, we just don't have no matter how much research we do. Right. There's still there's still error in that. Probably a lot of error in that. Right. There's a lot of, of debate. So how so now you're in a space where there's a whole different kind of there's there's measurement bias and there's there's algorithmic bias uh, combined with cognitive bias. Right. Because horrible things our bodies are tuned to uh fear them more right because the uh value of of misinterpreting that information is tremendously higher right a coin flip doesn't really matter your house burning down matters tremendously so um your your emotional response which layers into other cognitive biases 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 I don't know. I typed it in an email earlier today. Sounds like mm, correct, and that felt like the right. <clears throat> um, but it is interesting because it's kind of like even the notion that I know to deploy that to check an emotional impulse that I'm having comes from a space of this idea of like, and this is why I chased it back to the cave painting piece. Like, uh, now we have cognitive, like, like neuroeconomics, basically. Which yeah. we should get Dalton on here to talk about. That's just, this is this is one of the advisors that Jerry has got his PhD in this field. Yeah, what a fun field um, name. Cognitive neuroeconomics. It's something like that. Is that what you said? Um, I mean, <laughs> Good, I like, think cognitive words. would be redundant when you say neuroeconomics. Whatever. It sounds great. There's anyway, definitely marketing in academia uh, too. Uh, yeah, but it's like, okay, can we apply what what can we root out of how we behave from the data that we leave behind us. Um, and, you know, but it, but it piggybacks into like, it bumps into philosophy at some point because before it was like, Hey, let's use math and science and all this kind of stuff on these ideas. Like uh, it was, you know, dudes in robes sitting around going, yes, but you know, and like all the, like it's just people trying to figure out how to think good. Like there's a whole sect of philosophy that's just like, let's pick apart knowledge. And this is partially what metaphysics is. Um, it's just like, uh, like, like philosophy of knowledge. How do we know things? Right. It's like, uh, the sun, the sun, the, yeah, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. It's never not. But also <laughs> we only know that because of the provenance of data passed down through human culture and the fact that we keep observing it um but there are reasons the sun could not come up tomorrow let's discuss that <laughs> like, uh, we've got our intro chase, song for this for the episode if you chase that into data and whatever um but it's just the same thing it's like there's this ongoing effort to try to think better make better decisions. It even relates to the government episode that we had up before. It's like, how do we systematize the making of decisions? Well, I think uh, the, uh, the field of 
cognitive biases, uh, <laughs> at least in writing around it and, and research, uh, I think tends to be uh, the concepts being used to predict behavior, right? Because it classically is linked to economics, right? The two founders of the field, uh, one of them, I believe, was an economist, right? So there's always kind of been that connection, which makes sense, right? Because there's there are a lot of like very uh, kind of seemingly absolute situations where you can apply the concepts like the coin flip. Um, I mean, obviously, economics never quite works that way. And people aren't actually rational actors all the time. Um, and so you get into fuzzy areas right away. But um, <clears throat> it's the prediction of behavior where the value comes from, too, usually, right? Uh, and yeah, in terms of if you know what people are going to do and you can prepare the product or provide the service that, you know, that lends itself to. So this is this is where. So the one that I pulled to talk about um, is called hyperbolic discounting. <laughs> Was I supposed Given to pull two one for us to talk similar about? <laughs> rewards? Humans show a preference for one that arrives sooner rather than later. Humans are said to discount the value of the later reward by a factor that increases with the length of the delay. That's a good one. There's a lot this to is, this one. This is Amazon's business model. It has nothing to do with the actual convenience of the service that they're providing. We have a cognitive bias toward going, yeah, I don't care if it costs $5 more. I'll have it tomorrow. Totally. And I don't have to leave my house. Is that the, is that a cognitive, is that the same cognitive bias? <laughs> it seems like uh, it. Yeah, hyperbolic discounting. So it could be like, okay, I could save $15. I guess that's the same as them giving me $5 in five days. $3 of gas and go pick this up down the street. That's far or too much work. You can get it to me for 17 tomorrow. It's like, okay, cool. Well, Walmart over here can do it for 25, but it's going to take three days. <laughs> do it for cheaper, but it's going to take three days. I'll just pay the extra. Like, there's a. There's a war going on there that trickles into Amazon software well, and weird things like that. This so. is, what is this one called again? Hyperbolic discounting. Hyperbolic discounting. It doesn't seem like they're necessarily consistent naming schemas for all of these either as you read around. No, for sure. So if you just search for that, you won't necessarily find this, the exact same thing. But the future value problem, right? It's like, do you want 10 bucks right now or do you want 100 bucks next week? It's an interesting one. Uh, I remember my thing. grandfather doing offering this to me when I was a kid at some point. He's like, I'll give you five dollars today or I'll give you five hundred in like a year. And I was like, No way, man, give me the five bucks, right? But yeah. there's a so, different piece here and there's a mistrust piece. And I think there's always there's always an interesting angle to talk about. And and I know you can you can tease out and and kind of prove that this exists in in out of context of this other component, but in terms of money, like nobody's just going to give me money. So if someone's like, here's 20 bucks or a hundred bucks next week, it's like, I don't know if you're going to give me a hundred bucks next week. I don't trust you. Right. <laughs> so so there's more complexity. So to the, the place, to the, problem. the place where the really clean data set emerges here, although on another side, it's driven by hot bias. Pretty good. Um, lottery, lottery data, because people who win can generally you know, choose this like amortized way to get it. So you mm -hmm. get your whole 200 million, but you get it year by year, or you get considerably less in a lump payment. And the reason they do that is because they save money when people go, no, I want it now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Except they're like a state, 
organization. They're insured. They're a bank. Like they're gonna pay you your money. <laughs> you don't have any reason not to trust the state lottery to, to pay out right uh, properly. Right. Well, there's something else people going are still on there like, too. "Fuck that! I want my money now." <laughs> well, that's an interesting because that's not necessarily. <laughs> it's not necessarily a cognitive bias driving that. I don't think. Which is, I mean, obviously, this is just a philosophical debate here, but you kind of just want your thing. I want my thing, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Uh, that's part of it in terms of like, a, uh, like that's the... Um, like, what if I want to go buy a $50 million a, dollar yacht, and I that, only I'm get gonna, a million dollars gonna, a year? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going <gonna laughs> right? to diagnose you right now. Well, that's now. ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I want my thing that I you want. You personally have always, for <laughs> me, been a touchstone on the furthest on a spectrum of impatience regarding impatience. whatever goal you have like in front of you at, at a given time. When I design web forms, I'm like, okay, would Jones read this? No, then we can probably just take it out. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I also want to apologize. <laughs> I'm proud of it and embarrassed of it. Uh, it is what it is. It's normal. It's pretty normal. Uh, UX. I know it's awareness. helpful. I know it's also annoying. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Um, but so where that where where it becomes real is like okay, so uh, you can you can cut out the emotional component to some extent when it comes to lot lotteries. I think, um, by looking at the, you could demonstrate if there's hyperbolic discounting by looking at what was offered and what was accepted and the relative price difference. Because if you look at this thing where it's like, okay, 30 years versus 10 years versus 20 years, hyper hyperbolic discounting is saying that like people regard for every year they have to continue waiting. Um, the graph of how much value they're willing to give up is hyperbolic. Um, so you yeah, can look at that data and go, okay, here's the point at which people stop accepting it. Now we have an idea of what this looks like. Is this progression hyperbolic on a time scale? And you really can prove probably that people behave this way. Nothing uh, is nothing is more rewarding than taking something totally abstract and human, like a decision about how much something's worth in the future, how much money do I want now versus what you'll give me later, and testing it against a bunch of people and then graphing it and seeing seeing something emerge that's a clear pattern. Uh, in this one, right, I think it says... I mean, they're, they're arguments, right? Because there are other there are other discounting biases that claim different uh, different uh, numerical distributions. But hyperbolic is essentially saying you discount it to a point, and then in the future, at some point, it kind of it's diminishing discounts, um, and so you care less and less, uh, or the the effect of the discounting is less as you move into the future, which kind of makes sense, right? Because after after a certain point, our our bodies and minds are probably really evolved to think about today and like maybe tomorrow, not like our retirement savings 40 years down the road. So that's a pretty new concept uh, in terms of our physical being in the universe. So those well, concepts are uh, difficult for us to process out in long time frames. And so this is the place where the notion of the study of economics as a... um academic like enterprise versus the idea of the economy 
I mean, they are related because it's tied to systems of value and doing the things we've learned through economics uh, is how you win <laughs> that system of, of, of trading of value, <laughs> right? So like, so there's an interesting aspect where, you know, this collides with, okay, um, where are the places where I need to go? Okay, cognitive bias filter needs to be up versus that place where it's like, Okay, where is it creeping into the human emotional side? And that's where it starts to get philosophical again, because there's a space of like, okay, I, I know about cognitive biases. They come up in the context of papers I write or whatever. All that wiring is still there when my dog won't like poop in the morning and I'm frustrated at the animal that I know doesn't even like, <laughs> he's not he's not vindictively choosing to poop <laughs> the way that he's pooping. I don't it's know. just it's They're just how it smart. is that morning. Cats yeah, are certainly I've, vindictively pooping. Oh, yeah. They poop that's in your shoes like, and stuff, right? Yeah, that's why I don't like cats. Some dogs <laughs> do it too. But, uh, little jerks. One of my roommates, one of my Cute little jerks, dogs. When I first moved to LA, I used to poop on your life enough times for me to be like, "That's a pattern, motherfucker." <laughs> I pushed the dog off the couch because there's only one spot left, and like sat where he was. Cause that was just what you had to do with this, with this, with right. Doug. And he went immediately to my bedroom and took a shit on my pillow. Did you poop in his bed too? This Did happened four or five him? times. Yeah. I mean, so that would be the answer he would understand, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's expecting. Maybe he just thought it was a fun prank. He's like, why won't this guy play with me? When it happened the fourth time, I was like, that is that. No, this what dog you do? what he's doing. I mean, it was generally a pretty contained poop. I just, did you start it, sitting you on know, the floor? Well, turd. What? No. Did you? <laughs> Eventually, he stopped doing it <laughs> after I yelled at him. He realized it wasn't working. Um, what were we talking about? Hyperbolic discounting. I got I got lost. The value of future um, poops. No, we had treaded into the philosophical aspect of this. So now it's like okay, so 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 part of the mindfulness this this collides with the notion of mindfulness in this space where this is why there's an app for all this shit. Suddenly, it's like, hey, let's use your data stream. And what we've learned in this field to help you work out or something. And it's weird because it feels like mind control uh, on some level, but it's also just happening. And so like, it's weird because so it starts to get real weird at the place where technology is going, okay, we understand these cognitive biases, you know, like the people that invented them <laughs> have won Nobel prizes. Like uh, this is big stuff in terms of figuring out problems. Um, we're going to use it for how we price the give out of our lottery to de-risk the situation for the state. That's crazy. And that's a lo-fi example compared to what Instagram could do with their data. <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what's our next one on the list? Um, uh, that's all the ones I pulled. I feel like we got to do separate <laughs> episodes if we want to, if we want to really, um, Unless you want to talk about like some of the broader things, which is like the idea of well, where does this uh, come like, up for you like, in your in your day to day life? Where are you having cognitive bias issues? Oh, I, literally the one with the fire that I was talking about. It's not where I have issues, but I think I think the place where it gets interesting and uncomfortable, and it maybe is a whole different podcast, is because there's a place where notions of cognitive bias intersects with wokeness 
and or whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, social awareness. Um, well, yeah, because there's a whole there's a whole side of this, right? The the hot biases, I think, right? That you referenced by name, where it, it is it's kind of external stimulation, right? So then you get you get the ones like uh, following the crowd is a cognitive bias, right? Doing doing what everyone else is doing because maybe that's right, maybe that makes you fit in. There are a whole lot of reasons it could be happening and that it does right. happen, uh, but it throws you into that category. And like things like discounting, uh, you know, which are just like. I've made up these rules. If you trigger them, I'm just not even going to think about what you proposed is the kind of thing that Twitter is built for. Um, uh, confirmation bias. That's another good one. Um, people just want what they want to be true. <laughs> <laughs> I want the Ravens to win. By definition, that means I want it to be true, right? Is, is this one so where it's a thing you, that you have to take into account when you're like, okay, would you pick this versus that? You know, are you gonna buy? Are you gonna pre-purchase your playoff tickets? There's part of you going, fuck yeah, I am, because we're gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> well, confirmation bias is particularly relevant in as a, as a topic these days, right? Because it's uh, chosen as an as a reason why people are polarized on their perspectives, especially with the internet, right? Because it's so easy to find information that reaffirms what you already believe or what you already suspect, right? So is that is that one, I, this would be a great, obviously a great place to have, have Dalton on. I would love to ask him all these questions right. and, and hear what he says the current research is on this. But um, a lot I of the external the hard... stimulus ones, the hot biases seem like they're maybe rooted in pleasure centers, right? Because you you read stuff that reaffirms what you believe because it makes you feel good. Yeah. Right. So it gets weird. Cause you, when you start looking at things where it's just dopamine, you know, cycles, it, it gets right. weird. Cause that's the, that's the limbic algorithm that Elon Musk would be, you know, talking about. Yeah. But the part where it gets weird to talk about is like, um, where it intersects with the idea that like of racism or of prejudice that we want to eliminate from, you know, that we're like, okay, that's not fair. Like we're trying to make a moral decision here. It's not fair to classify people based on the color of their skin. And the extent to which that kind of screening behavior is built in to a cognitive bias, like right. mental compute, mental model, mental computation pattern. Like, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's a thing to like, it's like, okay, I want to be aware of it. But at the same time, if you just shout at me that I am having it, I I'm shut down to talk right now. Um, that's not really helpful. I have encountered that a few times where people just sort of shouted white privileged at me in an academic context. And it was like, dude, I'm trying to talk about my dad's life work in the inner cities of Baltimore. I know what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying outrageous things because I'm an out of touch white guy, but you're using it to shut me down and make me stop talking right now. So like, how, what do we, and that comes from this place of like, okay, what what's running for you in that moment that you need that answer shut down so hard that you're not proceeding from the logical place, which is to, or or from the place of even being able to trust me when I say, hey, let me explain right. to you my vast experience in this space, and then have a, a question about the constitutionality of some some law, and and this person couldn't even get there because they're blocked by this, you know, and like so it gets into that space of. Well, I don't know how to make you trust me in the, in the course of like a coffee conversation before class starts, but 
Well, it's, it's I very, just got uh, shouted down and went, okay, well, and then stopped talking to you, even though I was trying to answer your question. <laughs> like, so, these are, I mean, these are very, both, uh, both sides of, of this sort of topic, logical fallacies and, and cognitive biases, <clears throat> both sides, both, both experiencing them and like kind of letting them rule you and trying to surpass them and, and behave and react and share information in a way that you're not affected by them. Both sides are very, very challenging. Right, it's very, very hard to present information and present an argument, uh, and to not not get tripped up by a logical fallacy in, in your presentation or a cognitive bias in your interpretation. Um, and they are they're kind of like they're they're like very root aspects uh, of mental cognition as we know it, right? Because there's the only type of mental cognition that we're uh, aware of day to day is our own as a human, as an individual human, uh, and then generally speaking, kind of where our brains evolved along the same lines as other animals. And so it's not like there's other types of thinking and other other vastly different perceptions of the universe that we are contrasting with. So it's very hard for us to be inside of our own, our own, these issues that our brains present to us and then try to think outside of them, right? It's like, try to think outside of the box, but you can't get out of the box. And this is a weird space. And this is a very weird space to tackle. It makes me very uneasy to think about this stuff. Even reading about this stuff, it was funny. I, I, I've, I've spent days reading about this in prep for this episode. And I said this to you yesterday. I, I was struggling to feel like I was learning anything because I kept getting stuck in loops where I was like, I was affected. My own cognitive biases were affecting me in what I was reading. I was like disagreeing, finding myself disagreeing with a lot of stuff and like looking for holes to poke in things. And at the end, I was just like, I just feel jumbled. Days of reading about, about this uh, and thinking about this and trying to find angles to talk about and I, I was like, I feel maybe more confused than when I started, which isn't the normal situation in researching a topic. Well, it's really complex. And it's also like, it's, it is 100% a victim of the scientific press, like scientific media situation right now, mm-hmm. which is to say, if I can shout a headline, I literally, there was a Time Magazine I took a picture of it and I sent it to Lynn. Maybe, I don't know if I saw it in the wild, so it could have been Photoshopped. But either way, I believed that it was real at the time. It was like a Time magazine and the headline literally said, is your baby racist? With a big question mark <laughs> and a little picture of a little, little white baby. It was like, oh, man. what? <laughs> <laughs> put, it in, put it in the scrapbook. I, don't, I didn't read it. Um, I have no idea what the article was actually about. I'm sure it was about some scientific study that was way more nuanced than that headline, right? Yes. Uh, but when we're talking sure. about these decisions in the space of like, do we roll out a law that reflects the belief that systemic racism is real? Uh, and someone's going to throw a study at you, and someone's going to throw a study at you, and someone's going to throw a study at you, and you don't know what the fuck to believe anymore because the headlines yeah. say doesn't matter it's about schools the the or or you know it's just how humans be like climate change is a good example the counter the counter answer is no that's just what planets do sometimes they warm up and it's like well yeah but you're you're conflating two types of science right now that aren't helpful uh on purpose to convince me of your agenda before i vote (laughs) keep going keep going that's all I got. I'm tapped out. Voting is the most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Start preparing. Make sure you're registered. Uh, but I mean, it's funny, right? Because this gets to the space of, of the government thing again, which is like you were like uh, at one point in that conversation, you said, I don't want to test. He's like, you said you basically wanted a reading comprehension test. You're like, they should have a test before you vote. We have to read a paragraph and then immediately answer a question from that paragraph. It should have nothing to do with politics. It's just a competency test. <laughs> um uh, like, oh, I lost what got me to that. Oh, well. Oh, because it's about the importance of voting and being able to say, <laughs> look, we don't want people that have don't have the core skill to take in data and then make a decision. That's a problem because our media ecosystem is is makes it real hard to get an understanding of anything right now. It's a huge problem. Um, but at the same time, it seems like uh, we need to respect all creatures. Anyway, I think the animals should be given votes, to be honest. Just boop it, boop a little button with their nose. Absolutely. That seems like a problematic extreme to which to carry Rudolph that. Rudolph deserves an, deserves an opinion. It's a slippery slope, man. We can't have voting. We can't have voting. Once we have voting, the animals are voting. It's just mayhem. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> What if a cat marries a dog? Anyway. Things will be out of control. Right. So the reason that any of these questions are even in the space where it's like gets uncomfortable and now we're here going, ah, is like, because it becomes philosophy. This is literally Zen. This is, this is the intersection of Zen engineering. <laughs> like uh, all of these apps, all of these systems, all of these politicians, every incoming media signal is using this stuff to try to help you to try to get you to make a decision whether you process it as social skills or it's literally the way they edited the video. Uh, yep. This shit's out it's, there. Uh, they know about it. It's quantified. It's code they can use. Yeah. And the thing that's frustrating uh, is we're not, <clears throat> we're not good enough at doing this stuff so that it feels natural. So I think a lot of modern anxiety comes from the fact that the world around us is so curated now that we sense that whether consciously or subconsciously, right? Things don't feel normal. Things feel processed. Things feel fake. Uh, and I think that <clears throat> confuses our brains, right? Because we're looking for we're looking for the pattern of nature, and instead we're getting this manipulated pattern where we might still see patterns, but they're different than we would expect. They're different than we should expect. Uh, and, and that's the nature of the modern world it's now. Special. So we it's, live... it's important to be aware of when this stuff is happening. We live in the uncanny valley. Like it just, we it, do. It's, yeah. it's, it's what graphic graphic effects artists would call the uncanny Valley. You can tell it's not human. You can tell it's computer generated, <laughs> but man, is it close? Like without my glasses, that's a real human. <laughs> that's a real human person walking toward me. Did you see the new, uh, Lion King? No. Ooh, yeah. I boy, mean, I that saw realistic shots looking. from it. It doesn't have humans in it, so right. I'm sure the hum if they had had humans in it, you'd still be like Uncali Kenny Valley, but boy, do the animals look real. But, Holy smokes. But it's it, the, the other way to describe that that I use sometimes is like the argument for why vinyl is sounds sweeter or warmer or better, if you want to go make a value judgment, than digital music <laughs> has to do with how smooth the the essentially waveform captured by the by the the wax yeah. is because it's literally down to on some level it's down to molecular how big is a molecule of of 
I'll take I'll take pops and scratches over just the Wi-Fi not working for 15 minutes when I'm ready to <laughs> make dinner and put some music on. That's like every other freaking night. So how do you deal with cognitive bias? Meditate? <laughs> you uh, It really is tied you, to mindfulness. I think it's the reason you see this move of mindfulness and it's and it feels woo-woo when people talk about it, but it's what they're talking about is you just have to sit with your thoughts. To be like, well, it's a really... Instagram doesn't make me happy. I'm going to stop doing it. <laughs> well, it's the cognitive biases, again, because it's kind of got a broad definition and a broad range that it covers. Uh, mindfulness and meditation really, really applies, right? Because it's part of, part of this is actually getting in touch with lower level sensations that you're not used to paying attention to. Because then you're able to bypass heuristics that your that your body, that your physiology is putting into the thoughts that you're consciously having. So... That's one way to affect it, but it's also interesting because you can. Uh, that's a very that's a very deep, organic, personal, internal way of of being aware of this and and uh, and working with it, thinking about it, right? But the other way, also, very much with things like gambler's fallacy, is to understand the hard science behind it, right? The math behind it, because then you can come into a situation and say, "I know how I'm feeling," right? I, I've sat with this, I've thought about it, I've meditated on it. Uh, and I'm aware of my feelings, but I'm also aware of of a, a scientific uh, belief in the moment that we that we think really represents the situation uh, more accurately than my emotions will ever let me. So it's a fun one. It's a fun one where you really get to blend both sides uh, of of uh, cognition in our universe to understand what's going on and try to make decisions. And ultimately, you're always going to fail, right? There's this stuff's too. This this layers in it's such a complex way into our reality that. Uh, you're always going to be affected by this stuff, but it's fun to be aware of it and use it for your own personal gain when possible. When possible. <laughs> uh, and don't let other people screw you over because of but it. But I would say those layers and that complexity and then the abundance of data is the reason uh, it's, I have already sent out a pitch email to a co-host for a separate engineering series. That'll just be a half hour on each, uh, Cognitive bias on Wikipedia. Comedians on video chat discussing cognitive biases. <laughs> I think that's the name you're supposed. Like that. I like to be. You know, it's just why? Why? <laughs> why with the clever? Drink, drinking water. I, I just need to put an idea in you. <laughs> yeah, drinking water. Drinking warm morning. Well, thank you water. for hanging out for another one, my dude, and yes, and the rest of Likewise, you. Likewise, my dude. Uh, this is Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. Um, Brian, stay cozy out there. It's chilly. So they don't know what I know. They know so the tweet says, uh, I saw a girl post her Spotify top artists on her Instagram story with the caption, quote, so accurate. Like, yeah, it's accurate. It's literally data. <laughs> <laughs>